Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, you're listening to the Red Sea Podcast. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. Keaton DeRocher and Bob Osgood. Sale winds, he fires. Swing and a miss, take play, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome back to the Red Sea Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster for episode 306 of the show. Keaton, welcome back, my friend. It's been some time. You've been uh, traveling in Europe. Uh, how does it feel to be back stateside? Feels amazing. To at least be in like my own bed, the same spot, for a couple weeks before uh, I head back out to Europe and Australia. So it's gonna, it's gonna, it's a crazy start to the year. Yeah, you're uh, racking up those those flight miles right now. So. Sure am. Uh, for everybody out there, if you'd like to send us questions, you can do so at redseatpodcast at gmail.com. You can also, um, you know, tweet us questions, uh, me at, at dev Jake. You can tweet, uh, questions to Keaton at the spoken Keats. Um, but we've got a very full show for you today. Um, Bob is, is taking a week off, uh, here, but he'll be back with us next week. Um, we're going to start off with some spring training news, uh, and, you know, not exactly the happiest news to start off this show, but as I was discussing with Keaton before we hopped on here, you know, it's pretty hard to come by positive headlines with the Red Sox these days. Um, Rafael Devers, the Red Sox lone star player, was recently in the news um, because he had been calling out ownership slash front office staff for not adding more to the team. <clears throat> he had a few quotes. He said, I know what we needed last year, and I know what we need this year, but Red Sox ownership need to make the adjustments to help us be in a better position to win. Everybody in this organization wants to win, and we as players want to win, and we think they need to make the adjustment to help us win. Everybody knows what we need, Devers said. You know what we need. They know what we need. It's there's just some things I can't say out loud, but everybody who knows the organization or knows the game knows what we need. So Keaton, 
what do the Red Sox need? <laughs> I yeah. wonder what he could be talking about here. Yeah, and the fact that there are still options out there for starting pitching. One is crazy that the where I mean, pitchers and catchers have been there for a while. We're at full squad already, and there's still a pretty sizable chunk of free agents out there, which is quite ridiculous. But yeah, there's, I mean, I love that Devers did this. It's, uh, it just, it's kind of crazy because I was thinking back about this and like with the current players, um, specifically, like the current players, the coaching staff, um, Cora also had some comments this week and that wasn't the first time he, like the, the players and Cora had a bunch of comments at the last trade deadline about wanting to get stuff done and it's like more and more now people associated with the team past and present are all saying the same thing shouting at the front office to make moves and they just won't do it i don't get it like there's there's nothing better for a team morale than the front office listening to the players and delivering and like just the instant mood boost that is to know that the front office has your back and will support you. Um, and the fact that they're just they're just actively going against it is just mind-blowing. And it's nuts. And it's more and more people keep telling them to make moves and they just won't do it. Which makes me think that either they have no intention to and are not uh, willing to just spend any kind of money or they have no idea what they're trying to do with this franchise. Like, if they weren't going to make, at the very least, I would say, if they're not going to make moves as requested, they should at least have a conversation with the players about, here's the direction of the club. It's going to take us a bit to get there and get everybody on the same page. That's very clearly not what's happening. People are not on the same page. So either they have no direction, or they do have a direction, and they're purposely withholding it from the rest of the organization and I not neither option is good it just gets worse and worse the more you think about it and the more you digest digest it the more you kind of like try and attack it from different angles it just gets worse and worse and worse yeah it does and it's it's really weird especially because these comments came out on the same day that John Henry was um down at spring training kind of talking to the guys there was even a picture of John Henry talking to Rafael Devers the day that he made these comments and like clearly, you know, Devers is not shying away from saying these things even after having conversations with John Henry. So I don't know. He seems to be like the only guy in the room who doesn't understand the situation. And in this same conversation, Devers was pretty um, open about the fact that like he understands that they want to win in the future, but he also understands that they should want to win now. And making a move like going out and signing Jordan Montgomery to be a starting pitcher for this club now and for several years in the future is something that you can do while still doing things to make the team better in the future. Like, it still helps you for the future. He's a very durable starting pitcher uh, who would command a multi-year deal and would be part of whatever next great Red Sox team you think you're going to make. So it's really frustrating and you know, I was kind of proud of Devers for doing this um, because he is in year one of his 10-year deal. And essentially, like, you know, he's he's prodding these guys to fulfill their promise of uh, presumably trying to contend uh, through his prime years. Because then it just begs the question, like, if you're not going to actually make moves when Devers is in his prime, what the hell was the point of signing Rafael Devers in the first place? <laughs> Yes, great point. I would love to know the answer. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating. And it wasn't just Devers who got in on the action. Um, Pedroia also um, FaceTimed. Uh, here's the quote. It said, uh, all of this led uh, Pedroia to FaceTime uh, at a dinner that Cora and some executives were attending. This is from a Pete Abraham article on Sunday night and remind the group that several high-end uh high profile free agents remained available 
He named Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell. And then Sam Kennedy said that we appreciate that perspective from Petey. And he was very clear about his feelings. Um, this is so embarrassing. I have no idea why Sam Kennedy seems hell-bent on becoming the most hated man in Boston. Um, like, why on earth they would share this? Like, hey, can you believe a future you know, Hall of Famer, Red Sox Hall of Famer, uh, called us up at dinner time to shame us into turning this franchise into a shit show. Like, what did this do for anybody? I, I cannot figure out for the life of me why Sam Kennedy admitted that this happened. I don't know. And the line of we appreciate that perspective from him makes them sound so terrible. Like, that's the line you give someone who is voicing an opinion who's very clearly wrong, who you have no intention of listening to, and you spit that back in their face. This is Dustin Pedroia, and he's 100% correct. Like, to kind of, like, take that stance with him is mind-blowing. And it's nuts, too, because it's not the first time, like, David Ortiz has spoken up about it, too, but he's done so, like, through the media, how a lot happened last year, too, like, Cora through the media, uh, and there were players the trade deadline. They've completely bypassed that now, and they're going directly to the front office and saying, fucking help us, and they're just almost almost laughing in their face about it. Yeah, it's so weird, you know, and you're right. Like, it goes back to, you know, David Ortiz shooting the uh, guns with the fake money at Xander Bogarts and begging the team to sign him. You know, David Ortiz talking about how special a player Uh, Mookie Betts was and how it was so important for the franchise to sign them it's just so weird it's like John Henry and his whole ownership group have just turned their back on the players who made this franchise great you know the players who have been responsible for building up this culture here um, over the past 20 years and and winning these championships like they're not listening to Pedro they're not listening to David they're not listening to Petey they're not listening to their current players. It's it's just really bizarre. They are sort of, it seems like they're deliberately sabotaging this organization. And and I can't quite figure it out. Like this, this was a premier A1 level top operation. They put themselves on the same level as teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals and other great franchises like that. And it seems like they've just been hell bent to erase all that goodwill. You can also throw in, and I feel like this is the real cherry on top. So we got past players, current players, current coaching staff and prospective free agents. Teoscar Hernandez was dying to be here in Boston and the Red Sox were just like, nah, we're not feeling it. Yeah, I didn't even have time to fit that into the agenda, but you're absolutely (laughs) right. That was one of the most embarrassing videos to watch. He was just going on and on about how much he loved to play here and how excited he was. And the fact that they just wouldn't come correct with even like a good one-year deal. No, it's nuts. Absolutely nuts. I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't understand. One, how we got to this point, but then like, what is the tipping point? If none of this is making a difference, what's the what is the tipping point? I feel like it's it's non-existent. I, I don't know what else could possibly happen for them to finally start making moves. Yeah, I don't know either, and and I just think that the media and the players and uh, you know non-traditional media like us needs to continue to keep doing our job and keep putting the pressure on them to improve the product because ultimately, like. The Red Sox are much bigger than John Henry. They they are owned by him, but they certainly don't belong to him. So I think that the more that we can do to continue to put that pressure on them, um, it's important, but I'm not optimistic. And, you know, I really can't figure it out from their perspective either. I can't figure it out from like, you know, you just made a $3 billion investment in golf. I get that they're trying to buy this NBA franchise, uh, expansion franchise in Las Vegas, but like, you can't tell me that throwing $125 million or whatever it is to Jordan Montgomery or whatever it's going to take, even $200 million, 
I don't think it would take that much, but like that's a drop in the bucket for these guys. That money is not coming out of their pocket. That money is being printed by the Red Sox as a product. So I just can't uh, quite understand why they're penny pinching to to this degree. It just doesn't square with me. It seems like they stand to lose more in just the gate, you know, the, the tickets at the gate from not making a move like this than they they stand to, you know, uh, save by, by not signing one of these guys. I, I, it just seems penny-wise, pound-foolish. Yeah, though it is. That's exactly right. And I, I don't really know where we go from here other than just kind of hoping. But that's kind of all we got right now. Yeah, well, at least we have a, a platform and a voice, so we can continue to complain about it. And uh, hopefully... Complaining begets more complaining and uh, gets in the right ears. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, some some slightly good news, Keaton. Uh, the Red Sox have engaged young stars, uh, up-and-coming stars, Brian Bayo, interest in Casas. In extension talks, uh, it seems like the Bayo talks are a bit further along than the Casas extension talks. Um, and so uh, Bayo seems optimistic that something might get done within the next couple of weeks. Uh, Casas, it seems like it's a bit further off. But my question for you is, is which of these guys would be your first priority uh, to extend and why? Hmm. Um. I think it's Bayo would be my priority because I think specifically for the Red Sox, it's really hard to come by uh, reliable <clears throat> young homegrown pitching prospect. Uh, and so to have the chance to lock one up, I mean, we talked about on a previous pod, how it's like it's Lester and before that, like Buckholtz and who the hell knows. So it's been, it's been a very long time. Um, and I mean, Bale looked great last year, and just continued to get better. And also, I mean, not that it really matters, I guess, when you're talking about like young players and extensions. But the state of the pitching is far worse than the state of the hitting. So that knowing that you'll have somebody locked up in that position for a while, it feels like a a bit more reassuring. Um, so I think Bale would be my priority there in getting that that locked up, but. Um, it, it makes me worried that as soon as they potentially sign Bayo to a contract extension, they're going to have to say, well, they'll put a pause on Casas Hawks and say they need to move some money around first before they can get a deal done. And then that just makes me feel like that'll never happen. Yeah, I'm sure they'll continue to cry poor even after uh, getting something done if they're able to. But I agree with you. I think... Uh, what you said makes a ton of sense, and uh, that's who I would go with, too. I would go with Bayo for all the reasons you stated. Um, and, and I'm excited about this. You know, he's still just 24. He's getting better. Um, he had about a three-and-a-half ERA during the first half last year. So, And he, he reportedly came into camp a lot stronger, uh, looking ready to maintain a, a big workload this year. So... I'm excited to see what he can do, and I think it is important to get him done first. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's a good thing. Um, let's move on to the next bit here. Uh, John Schreiber um, was traded to the Royals for starting pitcher prospect David Sandlin. Uh, it was an interesting deal. Uh, John Schreiber was, you know, a lock here to be part of the the uh, the the bullpen, which is pretty deep. Um, but you know, this is a really interesting starting pitching prospect. I'm going to read you a little bit of a blurb from Ian Kundal about him. Uh, he said, "New Red Sox right-handed pitcher David Sandlin was the Royals' 11th round pick in 2022, signed for 397,500. So just." For a little context here, eleventh uh, round pick, uh, that is way, way, way over slot. That's probably a little bit closer to like second or third round pick money. Probably not second, but like third or fourth round pick money. Um, short strider with an athletic, sturdy frame. Fastball was 90, 92 to ninety six. Uh, has hit one hundred this winter with twenty plus inches of induced vertical break. A slider and splitter both show bat-missing potential. Really interesting arm with upside. So, Keaton, what are your thoughts on making this move, uh, dealing John Schreiber from the bullpen, and uh, which side do you like out of this, the Red Sox side or the Royals side? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I kind of like it, just the the potential of it. Um, for the first time in a while, the Red Sox bullpen is actually kind of deep. Um I feel like had this happened like a year ago, we'd have been pissed <laughs> because it left a massive hole um, there in the the bull, uh, yeah, the fucking relievers. Um, yeah, you my, had it right the first time, the bullpen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've you've been in Europe too long. Yeah, I really have. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like it's. He was probably like, uh, I mean, maybe like a, maybe first option for seventh inning, maybe second option for seventh inning. He was kind of like around fourth-ish or something there in the pecking order maybe. So I feel like uh, sending him away for a pure, like a pure upside potential play, um, I'm fine with that. And it seems like it's got electric enough stuff that, uh, it's something that Breslow could kind of have fun molding. So I'm all right with it, just given the state of the bullpen. I think it's interesting, and we'll just kind of see what happens. Yeah, I really liked this move from a baseball perspective. I think it made a ton of sense um, kind of selling high on a guy in, in John Schreiber to get a real starting pitcher prospect. Um, love this, especially with the depth there. So yeah, I, I thought it was really smart, really good piece of business by the Red Sox here. So I'm excited for them to continue to make moves in that same vein. Um, they also did another interesting thing. The Red Sox signed veteran reliever Liam Hendricks to a two-year deal. Uh, you probably remember him being a very outspoken, uh, very talented closer, uh, battled some health issues with cancer, and uh, also had Tommy John. But the deal breaks down like this per Chris Cotillo. Uh, Liam Hendricks deal with the Red Sox, $2 million salary in 2024, $6 million salary in 2025 with a $12 million mutual option or $2 million buyout for uh, 2026, $10 million on incentives in 2025, none in 2024. So this deal, you know, really... Uh, basically gives him all of the leeway that he needs to get healthy in 2024 and gives him a lot of potential to make up to 12 million bucks uh, uh or i should say uh 16 million bucks in 2025 um and and then have some control uh in 2026 so it's a really interesting deal here uh i like it from the red sox perspective because I really like Liam Hendricks, and uh, you know, for for those keeping track, I mean, Kenley Jansen's been in rumors all off season, and he is a free agent at the end of this year. So I think this makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I love it too, and I think this really, I think, illustrates the differences that we've been talking about between Bloom and Breslow, and we've talked about how. 
Brazil has made similar moves, but they've been like more tactical and seemed like with a purpose rather than just absolutely throwing shit against the wall and seeing if it sticks. And this falls right in line with that because it's very similar to the deals that they gave to Garrett Richards and Kluber and Paxton. Um, Paxton, I think, worked. The other two obviously did not. Um, and this feels much more intentional and tactical. And I think that this will also work. Um, it is obviously still a pitcher, but reliever versus starter. Um, Hendricks has been lights out when he's been on the mound. Um, so it's uh, while he is not going to be able to pitch until later in the year, uh, given that he's a reliever, I feel more confident that he'll come back and be able to get close to back to what he was a lot faster than those other guys and then have a full season of him again next year, presumably healthy at that point. Um, so I, I love the position, love the player, love kind of the, the tactical move around it. I think this was a great signing. Yeah, I agree with that. Um I think you're right, though. The biggest thing about Breslow is, like, every time he makes a move, it's very easy to see why he's making the move and look down the road at how he's thinking about building this baseball team. Whereas with Heim Bloom, you're right. I was just constantly like, what? Like, what is he doing? What's his thought process here? Um, so it is very refreshing from that standpoint. Red Sox are reportedly also willing to trade uh, the aforementioned Kenley Jansen, as well as Chris Martin, both of whom are in their last years of their deals. Um, you know, I have been pretty outspoken about the fact that I don't have a problem with this, um, especially with the way that the Red Sox have approached this season, 2024, going into this as a bridge year. Um, I think if you can get something for those two veteran relievers who are very good. I think they're much more valuable on a very good baseball team. Um, I think it makes sense to trade these guys. Um, and especially because the Red Sox bullpen, like you mentioned, has some really interesting upside guys. Isaiah Campbell, Justin Slayton, Brian Mata. Um, going down the line a little bit further, some guys who are NRIs who are getting some buzz uh, Melvin Adon, who throws super hard, doesn't know where it's going. Jorge Benitez, really interesting lefty. Um, on the 40-man, Greg Weissert. Uh, Zach Kelly coming back from injury. There's just a lot of options there for the Red Sox. And to me, Martin and Jansen feel a lot like luxuries on a team that uh, really probably doesn't need super-duper high-end uh relievers so you know feel free to agree agree with me or disagree with me here keaton what do you think because i know that if bob was here he would be disagreeing with me right now <laughs> uh honestly my initial thought was to disagree with you because i know when we first talked about uh trading kenley jansen i was with bob and uh not for it but that was before the offseason unfolded and now that it has, and if their intention is not to compete this year, then it doesn't make sense to have him on the roster. So, yeah, I think that at that point, they're luxuries. You still have pretty solid uh, bullpen with uh, kind of Whitlock and potentially Hauk. Um, one of those guys might be a starter. One of those, both, one or hopefully, I mean, in my opinion, both should be the bullpen. But there's enough depth there to play with. And still have a kind of an effective bullpen and an intriguing uh, stock of young arms back there besides those guys. So, I mean, it, it all comes back to what what's the move? What is the trade there? But I would assume if it's, if it's not dealt now, then it almost certainly would be a deadline for probably both of them. Because I, I don't see this team being in a position where they're trying to add in a few months. So, Yeah. Uh, I'm not not surprised. I feel like, given uh, the state of the club, they may end up being more of a deadline deal unless they're kind of overwhelmed now. They might be able to get more with uh, pressure of the competing teams trying to add pieces there. So we'll kind of see how that falls. But uh, it feels like, whether it happens now or later, that's that is the what's going to end up happening with Jensen and probably Martin as well. Yeah, it, it seems to make a lot of sense, especially if. You know, you look at the type of prospect that they were able to get for John Schreiber, 
You'd imagine that even with just one year of Jansen or Martin, you'd be able to get somebody at least as good as David Sandlin uh, from a team. And, uh, you know, starting pitcher is definitely an area where they need to beef up the farm system. So, you know, hopefully uh, they can add to those cores and kind of continue that. Um, We do have a fair bit of camp talk to get into with position battles brewing in camp. And the first and most interesting one that I want to talk about today is Sedan Rafaela as the center fielder. So Alex Cora came out and uh, stated this, and this was tweeted out by Alex Cora. He said, uh, Rafaela will be the center fielder if he makes the team, but TBD if he opens in AAA or with the big leagues. Cora says, the defensive game is elite. It's a game changer. Um, so he will be competing with Jaron Duran for that uh, center field spot, and Tyler O'Neill has also played the position uh, in the past, so may uh, end up you know, competing for that spot to some degree as well. And a couple more quotes. Um, we'll sit down towards the end of spring training and decide what we want to do, said Cora. If we're comfortable with the kid playing center field, understanding that there's going to be struggles at the big league level and in the offensive part of it, then we'll go that way. If we feel like he needs to go to the minor leagues and keep getting better and improving, we'll do that too. And then Rafaela himself added, I have the mentality to do my best to make this team. I'm not comfortable. I'm working hard to get a job. I feel awesome coming into spring. I feel very confident. So uh, looking at this this position battle here for center field, you know, which way do you think it will go? Um, and which way would you like it to go? Yeah, um, <clears throat> pretty interesting because my immediate thought was, well, they're really kind of abandoning Duran <laughs> right away. Uh, after the season that he had last year, which is kind of surprising. Um, he made a bunch of improvements across the board, obviously offensively was most notably, but he did make improvements defensively. I mean, it wasn't gold glove defense, uh, or, but it was serviceable. It was a big improvement on 2022, that's for sure. So I'm kind of surprised that um, they're already kind of looking at him is really kind of not being there. Um, obviously, they just added O'Neill, so expect him to be part of that. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that, I guess the situation is uh, Raviela's defense is going to be better. Durant's offense probably, at least at the beginning, is going to be better. So where where do you kind of play with the deficiency? But it's, see, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised they're just tossing Duran to the side, um, seemingly through these conversations already. But um, I also, the Tom Warner's comments on Abreu, I I don't think I consider them at all. <laughs> I, I'm i not a big Weiler guy. I don't know if he should be getting that much of big of a share of at-bats. I don't know where they would come from. Um in this situation we're talking as though Duran would need to move to the bench and Rafaela would be in triple a yeah, for so like let's, the entire season. <laughs> let's, let's get to that because you just mentioned Tom Warner's comments, but what Keaton is talking about is that um, Tom Warner gave an endorsement for Willier Abreu. He said, I'm looking forward to Willier Abreu having 400 at bats and so the the question then becomes, with the outfield being pretty unsettled as it is right now, the leading candidates in left field would be Tyler O'Neill, in right field would be Willier Abreu, um, and if we have Sedan Rafaela uh, winning the job in center field, then you're right, Duran uh, would not have a spot. And, and it's really hard for me to imagine that that would be the case. I think the only way that uh, Abreu is getting 400 at-bats is if Duran does end up getting traded. Um, And so that's kind of the feeling around camp is like that Duran has been floated out there and that there's a possibility that he will get moved. He's one of the teams that's been talked about is San Diego. So, you know, 
thinking about it that way, does that make sense that the Red Sox would be considering moving Jaron Duran, or do you feel like this is a guy they need to commit to as part of this next core? I mean, yeah, he's I, he's done enough for me. I feel like I might be Jaron Duran's biggest fan at this point, but <clears throat> I kind of go back to um, the piece that I wrote about him that I bring up pretty much every time we talk about him. Um he was able to figure it out with the bat at every level, just given the at-bats. And last year, he made massive strides. Um, cut the walk uh, strikeout rate down a ton. Obviously, the average and OVP and everything were way up. He was stealing a bunch of bases. It was great. Uh, defense improved. Still need to probably see more of the defense improve. But to me, he feels like he can be an everyday major league player for this team. Um and I feel like he really proved that last year. The biggest hurdle now is just kind of staying healthy and being able to play enough. Um, and especially given how well he did play last year. I mean, he was kind of carrying that offense there for a bit uh, until Casas got going in the second half. The first half was like all Duran. So I'm just kind of surprised that coming into this, he seems like he's, out of everybody that they're talking about, it kind of seems like he's the afterthought of the bunch. But... As you mentioned, they have brought him up in trade talks, and maybe that's the route that they go. But I f- it seems the timing now seems weird if they were going to trade him. I suppose. Yeah, I I think I disagree, um, and the reason why is because I've always felt differently about Durant than you have, and you know I've been pretty vocal about that on this show. Durant just scares the hell out of me uh, from a consistency standpoint. You know, I know that. Looking at his slash line last year, 295, 346, 482, it's easy to look at that and imagine a future all-star. But I've, we've also seen things get really bad for him uh, during different stretches, and he's also struggled to stay on the field um, <clears throat> full-time. So to me, I, I just feel a lot safer with a guy like Sedan Rafaela out there who, you know, the floor is... 70 80 grade defense in center field um and if you get anything out of the hit tool uh i think that that's a positive um whereas with duran it's easier for me to imagine a scenario where duran falls back into bad offensive habits and because of that loses uh some of his defensive ability and uh you know can can be a real negative on the team. So for me, I would personally sell high on Jern Duran right now to try and address other needs. But I definitely see what you're talking about, where it seems like Jern Duran went out last year, basically did everything you asked him to do, and now he's being rewarded by you know the team talking about trading him. Yeah, I mean, and your points are all valid too, and and that all of that makes a ton of sense and I would expect uh Rafael is going to make a a stance here uh in the lineup at some point and, and whether he starts a triple A or not I don't think it's gonna be long before he's, he's back up uh and kind of doing stuff for me the, the the Weiler one is just I don't get it I'm just I'm not on board with Weiler getting a ton of playing time um I know like the slash sign everything looked really great last year it was in kind of a small sample size that was the best he's ever performed at any level he's ever been at so i i just have serious doubts that that's repeatable and i just don't think that like given the other options i think the the roster spot is much better used going to those guys than abreu and or at least for starting perspective if you want to use him as your fourth outfielder or something like that i think that's a that's a role i'm comfortable with but him getting 400 at bats is just nonsense to me yeah, I mean, looking at this spot, it it uh, it just seems like it's screaming for uh, a free agent like Teoscar, like yeah. <laughs> Lord Escorial, like uh, you know Adam Duvall, who's still sitting out there without a job. Yeah, it's it's tar- hard to imagine uh, William Abreu getting four hundred at bats on a team that you think can compete. Um, however, if if this is really, truly 100% being 
used as a bridge year to just see what you have in these guys, then it might kind of uh, solidify the idea of, heck, you know, go ahead and trade Duran and get a couple pitching prospects for him and play Rafaela and Abreu in the field for 400, 500, 600 at bats this year and see what the hell you have in the kids. Um, if it's really that type of year, you know? So it's, uh, it's weird. It's a weird season. It's like they're, they're not fully saying it, but they're kind of saying it with their actions. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've been saying it with their actions for four years. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> true. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, one of the things that is settled about this is that uh, Yoshida's at-bats seem like they're going to mostly come at DH. Um, He will get mixed into the left field spot, but it seems like that is pretty much going to be his his spot here. Um, Backup catcher is a place where uh, there could be a little bit of competition. Uh, It looks like it's going to be between Reese McGuire, who had the position last year, battling with uh, Tyler Heineman and Roberto Perez uh, for that backup spot. Uh, both Heineman and Perez are much better at controlling the run game than Reese McGuire, but Reese McGuire obviously has some comfort with the pitching staff here, and a lot of the same names are coming back. So do you have any feeling who's got the advantage uh, heading into camp with the backup catcher spot? Yeah, I mean, I would feel like McGuire does because just what you mentioned, that his familiarity with the pitching staff already um, and that he's been kind of been in that role. Um, so it's kind of his to lose coming into camp. But I'm not real beat up about whoever it ends up being. I, I don't think I have a strong favorite one way or another. Um, I just kind of want to see consistency from that that spot. And um, I don't think that's been – well, defensively probably, but um, – just like overall with the game isn't really a super consistent. So if somebody else can kind of be a little bit more reliable in that role, then I'm, I'm kind of fine with that, but I don't, I don't have strong feelings about it. Yeah. To, to my perspective here, I think Heineman is interesting only because McGuire has been so bad with the run game and clearly, um, running is going to be something that any major league catcher has to deal with, especially with the new rules. Um, And I think especially with so many young guys on the pitching staff, it can kind of affect the starting pitcher if he's being run on a lot. Um, So for a development standpoint, I certainly wouldn't mind going with a guy like Heineman um, back there. So I think that would probably be my... um, my hope is that the the better defensive guy, the better uh, guy at controlling the run game gets that spot. But you know, I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna be too broken up about it if uh, Reese ends up holding down that spot. Second base looks like it belongs to Von Grissom here. I'm very comfortable about that. Uh, how do you feel about Von Grissom being given the job at the Keystone? Yeah, love it. All for it. Awesome. Uh, the bench is a little bit interesting. Uh, it looks like we're going to have, you know, certainly a backup catcher. 
Rob Refsnyder looks like a lock here, but then we have a battle between maybe Pablo Reyes, who's out of options, and Enmanuel Valdez, and then Bobby Dahlbeck, and potentially a name that's being floated out there uh, to be signed is uh, Gio Urshela, uh, who would replace Bobby Dahlbeck and obviously be a huge defensive upgrade and even offensive uh, upgrade because Bobby Dahlbeck swings and hits air. A lot of the time that he swings the bat. <laughs> um, but how do you see the bench shaking out? I'm just annoyed that Ruff Snyder's still here. I mean, I, I feel like if you're, you've got a guy on a bench specifically just for like one particular instance, which I get is how the benches have been made up in the past. I'm just kind of annoyed that he's still here. I feel like there's got to be a better option. Do you feel like because this team is not actively like trying to compete at this point, having a guy who just crushes lefties and that's pretty much all he does just doesn't make a ton of sense. Well, it's not even that. I mean, I'd feel better if it was a guy that crushes lefties and was like productive with it other than just slapping it and getting on base. Like if you're bringing in a guy to face a lefty, you're trying to look for something productive to come out of it, not just, get a guy on. So like if he had power versus lefties, that'd be great, but he doesn't. So I, I just, I don't understand what he's doing here. He's just kind of taking up that spot for me. I would rather swap Urshela in for him. Oh, interesting. Um, I am not so out on ref Snyder as you, but I do think that he fits much better on a contending team than he does on the Red Sox. So I would personally move him and have Abreu take up that spot and not worry about it instead of Abreu being a starter um, for you. Um, but I love the idea of Urshela over uh, Bobby Dahlbeck. And if it's if it's up to me, Reyes versus Enmanuel Valdez, give me Pablo Reyes every single time, especially with the defensive limitations that Enmanuel Valdez has. I don't know, man. I'm still not sold on Enmanuel Valdez. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong there. I'm just, I don't see the, uh, the appeal. Um, I mean, he's still a little raw. I think offensively things looked pretty good, but the, the defense really needs a lot of work. Um, kind of like the same, same thing with, uh, Duran there. Um, I'm not out on him, but I, I can see like, um, he didn't. He needs to be more reliable defensively in order to. I mean, that's obviously why they brought in Grissom at second because I didn't feel comfortable rolling out what they had at second. Which thank God. But that was. I mean, he would have been the second baseman last year had the defense been serviceable enough. But he it just wasn't, and that was really kind of what held him back. But offensively, he was there. So with the bat, he proved that he could handle the major leagues. It was just defensively that still really needed some work. So I I'm not out on him. Um, Still has some development to do, but I think there's a useful tool there. All right. All right. Last battle in camp is going to be for the fifth rotation spot. So the first four spots are set. It seems like it's going to be Giolito, Bayo, Pavetta, and Crawford. And the fifth spot will be between Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock, Josh Minkowski, and Cooper Criswell. Do you have any strong thoughts on who will win the fifth spot? Who do you want to win the fifth spot? And who do you think will win the fifth spot? I want the fifth spot to be Crawford because they signed somebody else to take the SP2, SP3 spot. <laughs> that, that would be my preference. Um, this is a really bad rotation at face value. <laughs> it's this, not good. Especially no. because they did a major league... Uh, like front office poll about like what the worst signing was this year. And a bunch of people said Giolito. Um, so th that didn't make me feel good. Uh, no, I mean, I would feel better about it if there was confidence that he could get back to, I mean, maybe not like the Cy Young level, but something close to it. Just like be a front end rotation guy, but he's been really bad more than he's been good lately for like an extended period now it's like two two seasons with yeah it's like pretty much two full seasons he's been pretty bad yeah and you're rolling him out as your ace 
that's not great. Bayo, I think I have a lot of confidence in, but he's still developing, so I'm not expecting him to be SP1, SP2 the whole season right away. And everybody else is trash. So, <laughs> so this sucks. I don't care who is fifth because they're all going to, whoever it is, is going to suck. Man, you're you're really getting me pumped for the baseball season here, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm going to go with your guy, your guy, Tanner Houck here. Um, I still want to see him in that role. Uh, I still think there's more potential for him to be kind of that workhorse type guy. I just don't buy Whitlock holding up in that job, and, and I think Winkowski – Looked super good out of the pen last year. So I'd just like to see him there. But Tanner Houck, to me, still has that prototypical starter's build and at times starter stuff. Um, so I, I'd like to see that one more time and just prove it to me once and for all that it doesn't work. Um, so that would be who I would go with. I'm with you. And I think for me, it's is he actually going to use the cutter as his fourth pitch and actually like had used the fourth pitch. Cause it just, it's really effective. He just doesn't use it enough and it still becomes too, obviously the slider is nasty, but everything becomes too predictable and he can't still can't get through the lineup a third time. And I don't think it makes sense to do what they were doing last year where they would just run him out twice through the lineup. And then wherever the third one came in, he's yanked because you're just rolling him out there for four inning starts. And that's not effective. No, you're killing your bullpen. He needs to be able to get through the third. Yeah. And so I I think uh, I would like him to hold down that spot if he's going to use his four-pitch arsenal uh, at some interesting percentage. Uh, If not, then I think I'm going to side with Bob and go Whitlock. All right. I... If you could tell me Whitlock would stay healthy, um, hundred percent Whitlock makes more sense in that yeah. spot. But yeah, I don't know. In, until he can prove otherwise, I just think it's he's too valuable to me to trot him out there and let him get hurt again. You know, um, but that's probably me being overly cautious. And at this point, who cares? Um. All right, let's get to our listener questions. We have two questions today, one from Sumner. And and, uh, Sumner says, do you guys think the recent comments regarding the offseason strategy from the front office will have a negative effect on the team's psyche? Uh, I'm going to just pause there. Yes, we are already (laughs) seeing it. Yeah, Uh, it already has. (laughs) I'm not sure I'd like to be a player on a team that is basically admitting to coasting until prospects come up. Thanks for the great podcast. Thank you for the great question, Sumner. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're already seeing that. There's There are two ways that you can approach this, right? You can approach it the way that Devers has and be like, why aren't these guys helping us? Or you can approach it the way that some other guys, I'm sure, are, where they're going to be like, you know what? Fuck them. We're going to go out there and we're going to win 90 games without any help because, like, just fuck these guys. Um And I think neither one of those are great. You want to come into spring truly feeling like you can contend in the division. And I would guess that a lot of Red Sox players have some doubts about their ability to do that. Yeah. And I also, the trying to coast until prospects come up, like, obviously there are exciting prospects, but they are so prone to busting even the ones that are can't miss still bust like Yurkson Profar was that guy for like he had baseball's top prospect for was like four years uh that took him like a decade to finally get to the majors and he's not an all-star so it's like even the ones that are can't miss typically miss more than not so trying to put all your eggs in your farm team's basket I don't think makes any sense at all um, but if that is going to be the, the plan, it'd be nice of them to actually come out and admit it so we don't have to get excited or pretend to get excited about the current state of the roster. Yeah, absolutely. 
Our next question comes from Patio D, and he says, Hello, squad. I just saw that the Red Sox signed Liam Hendricks, and he can't pitch until July. We already have a closer in Jansen. I guess this is some sort of insurance for trading Jansen. Uh, why are our moves always these small ones at the margins? So we talked about that move uh, before, so we won't go into that. This leads to my next question. What the fuck is the direction of this team? Can someone explain what's been going on since 2019, and why do I still care about this team? Thanks again, and happy spring training. <laughs> uh, you know what? What I, else is there to care about? You know, right. I feel like the even though the the I feel like the the obviously this there's a lot of complaining on this podcast, but it all comes from a place of passion. So right. I feel like that's where our we are collectively as a fan base. Like we're still that passionate fan base. That's where all this annoyance comes from, but. Yeah, we still care because uh, what else is there to care about? Yeah, I mean, the the Red Sox could be fielding a, a lineup that is comparable to the Oakland Athletics, and I would still watch the games um, and still listen to the games because uh, it, it's it's in our blood. We, we can't get rid of it, and uh, we don't want to get rid of it. So, you know, I think that's the, the point that I was trying to make at the, the top of this podcast is just the Red Sox are so much bigger than just – individuals or people who own the team or you know bad actors um they belong to us so that's how i feel about it and we'll all be red sox fans for life whether we like it or not and uh it's probably not good for our health but you know when it's good it's real good yeah and as far as direction the team no clue i'm right there with you uh it seemed like they were they started the off season as if they were going to make some moves and then didn't make a single one. And then we're like, this is going to be a bridge year. But then even the moves that they've made don't really back that up. And that's kind of confusing. I don't know what, I think they're just hoping something happens like, uh, 2021, but that you, you can't just hope everybody on your roster plays up to their 90th, plus percentile and then you make a run to the ALCS. I am hoping that we see more uh coordinated moves from Breslow than we ever saw from Bloom and I think we will. Like one of the things that I'm pretty certain of is that if the season starts to get away from the Red Sox here, um that by the deadline you will see them trading Nick Pavetta who has only half a year left. You'll see them trading Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin. I, I think that there will be no fence sitting with this team anymore. And I want to defend Breslow. I think that he's done a pretty wonderful job here in a short period of time with a pretty difficult situation. Um, so I feel very confident with him there. I just don't feel confident that ownership is 100% behind giving him what he needs to win. Yeah, that kind of seems pretty clear yeah. <laughs> and annoying yep absolutely well that has been our podcast today uh we hope you enjoyed it uh if you did go ahead rate and review us subscribe to the show we do appreciate that and uh you can find us on twitter you can find me at at dev jake you can find keaton at the spoken keats you can find bob at bob osgood 15 and you can follow the uh over the monster show uh at over the monster as well and check out all of our writings there and uh, anything else before we get out of here keaton nope all right well thank you for joining us we'll be with you again next week <laughs>